Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 47. Nick, I don't know what it's like where you are in Virginia, but we are in a heat mm-hmm. wave in the Northeast. That means up here. I don't know what a heat wave is for the rest yeah. of the world, but up here it's more than 90 for at least three days. And I think we're in the third day of 90. So what's it like down there? Uh, it's definitely really hot. I think the last two days were in the 90s. I okay. don't know about three in a row. Okay. But uh, yeah, this last week was actually really hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's right. So give us the consolidated version, Nick. You played a tournament and it was really hot, but you also threw pretty hot. <laughs> Uh, yeah. you, you tell us about it real quick. Uh, I played a B tier in Williamsburg called no quarter at new quarter park and, uh, was fortunate enough to walk away with a win. So that was cool. I uh, played really well, put it really well. Everything just felt like a good tournament and, uh, it's a somewhat tough course in the sense of like, if you're not hitting your lines, it's pretty rough to the score and luckily my shots just seemed to be dead straight that day so i was fortunate like i said to play pretty well cool man uh good for you i think uh, i asked you earlier or in a text message i said do you really feel like you're starting to like wh- what was the word i used i don't have to scroll back here more or less are you playing to your potential now or like is your yeah. how do you feel like your performance is and you said more or less yes yeah, I mean, I definitely, I'm I'm playing the best disc golf that I've ever played right now, which is good. I have a bad tournament here and there, like most kind of <laughs> local pro disc golfers have, or even regional pro amateurs. We all have bad <laughs> tournaments here and there. And mine just seems to be happening like almost every other weekend in a sense of like, I have a really good weekend and then I have one that things aren't going as well. But I'm hoping soon and I feel like it's going to happen that I'm hitting that stage of where I'm consistently playing well. Um, like I averaged 1034 at this last event throughout the two rounds. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to go out and average that at every tournament, but I should be averaging above a thousand. I think I'm at that point to where that should be not an issue. Honestly, um, my biggest thing still, and I'll say it almost every single week is I just don't have the distance that the top pro players have. And that's, you know, a crippling factor. Um, there were definitely some shots this last weekend where if I had 50 to 60 more feet of power, I would have put myself in better positions than where I was in. But that's just something to work on. Yeah. I mean, just looking at your event um, performance, good job winning, obviously. But your average performance compared to the field based off of rating, you think you're going to tap a thousand with this next update or it's getting close? No. Oh, come on. No, I'll probably go up. I'll probably go up a point or two the next update just because I had two. Like I said, I I had Lake Marshall where Mm -hmm. I actually didn't even cash and I only averaged like 975 golf there. And then I played a tournament here at Sandusky. <clears throat> Excuse me. I averaged, I think, a little over a thousand for that one. And then I had a nine ninety rated tournament average. And then this one ten thirty five. So I mean, I think I averaged it out to, like, I probably just played over a thousand rated over the, like nine rounds. So I I can't imagine I would hit it this update, but I'm hoping, you know, in the next few updates, I'll be over that four digit mark it seems like maybe we need to come out with like a a a thousand rated disc like thousand you know printed in gold letters across a black disc for you i don't know hopefully hopefully nick Nick, Um, you say you say hopefully i love it okay so let's talk 
first of all, tonight's show, Stacey Ronsley. If you don't know who Stacey Ronsley is, neither do. No, I'm kidding. Uh, she is full blown into the tour this year. And we're going to ask her about that, um, what it's like. Honestly, if I look back real quick, 2019, it was her first year like in disc golf, according to PDJ stats. She played two disc golf pro tour events last year and now literally like full blown touring. And I'm going to ask her about it, Nick. I looked at the full tour and guess what? Every event I think is on there at silver series, like everything, but no Maple Hill. So I got to ask what's up. Oh, that's kind of disappointing. It's weird. Okay. Uh, let's get into the stats, Nick. We just saw the Portland open at an event at a venue, I should say where we've never seen it. And let's just call it what it is. It was an emergency venue. Um, so yeah, 100%. what did we see for this venue, Nick? What did you get to watch it? What did you see? Yeah, I haven't been able to watch it like holes one through 18. Cause as I was doing show notes today, I casually had it on. So I'd watch a hole here and there, but um, I did listen to the beginning of the Joe Mez episode, the first not episode, the first, uh, first round, the front nine, they had this quick little like five minute video of, Jeff Spring and Dustin Keegan, who was a course designer, talking about how they weren't able to use the Blue Lake course, which is originally where this event was held. Um, super bummer, but with all the restrictions still, they weren't able to use it. So Jeff had actually called Dustin Keegan to pretty much design a course and so that the Portland Open could still happen because it kind of made sense the way that the tour was going. So he called Dustin. Dustin was able to help out. He built a course in 22 hours in the sense of like, start the design end the design. I don't know how long it took for them to get baskets and everything like that. But, um, yeah, he essentially just went in there and built a disc golf course within a week and it ended up being pro tour material. Um, for me personally, it was enjoyable to watch as in, I liked the competition and how close it was, but it's not my favorite type of disc golf to watch, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, we will. And I just want to kind of do a quick comparison. To me, it seemed similar-esque. I'm not saying the same. I'm using the word similar to preserve. The, the idea of close competition coming down to the last hole on a fairly open course. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's all I'll say about it for now. We'll talk about that later. Um, so mm -hmm. here's how it played out. Let's talk about FPO real quick. It is the same story that I think we're going to continue to see over and over and over. And we have seen it the last three or four events with Paige Pierce taking it down. Um, and fairly confidently, you didn't know what was going to happen because this was a new venue and you weren't sure going out into the end because the holes were playing tough in the back nine. But Paige mm -hmm. led the event um, and was able to take it by a three-stroke margin. Katrina Allen, second place. Ella Hansen. Another name. When you were away, Nick, we interviewed her, <laughs> my brother and I. Uh, yeah. it, incredible. Um, and then Haley King tied for third with Ella, which is just, it's an amazing storyline. Ella Hansen, Haley King being tied. Like, Ella's pretty new. Mm -hmm. And then Juliana Corver took 12th. We just jumped down. She's a notable name to mention there. Nick, what did you see here in FPO that stands out to you, like, stat-wise? Uh, biggest thing is once again, Paige Pierce leading the field and gain putting. I think she did the same exact thing at her last two tournaments, um, especially the major at us women's. I think she had put us like a hundred percent from circle one X. And so obviously her putting is completely dialed in right now, but she's first place in multiple categories, gained putting fairway hits. She hit 91% of them. She was parked on 15% of the holes, which was tied for first. And then uh circle two in regulation. She was first place at 76%. Her birdie percentage was 
And then her circle one X was actually 88% this tournament, which was good enough to be the best for putting. Yeah. Uh, and that's the difference between her and Katrina. 68% mm -hmm. for Katrina and 88% mm -hmm. for Paige. Uh, circle one putting is a big deal. And as if I need to say that, um, but, and you mentioned this, Katrina throwing better though. She threw better on average strokes gained on throwing from yeah. T to green by like yeah. almost just a stroke. about a stroke. Yeah. Better than Paige. About. And she's getting to the circle a little bit better than Katrina, uh, than Paige, but her mistakes were the putting. She missed too many putts. And honestly, she only lost by three. That's yeah. the difference. Her scramble, her scramble percentage, though, and the fact that if she had a bad tee shot, she had a 75% scramble rate, which was way above everyone else's. Not that you want a high percentage rate, but if you are in those positions, it is good to have a scramble game. And so she obviously made that work really well. And she was also first place in circle two puttings. She hit 42% of them, which was five out of 12. Yeah. So that's obviously a great. So that's good too, stat. right? It, but Paige hit four out of 20. So Paige had more circle two putts. Yeah. Didn't make yep. as many of them, but she made one less than Katrina. My point is in the end, it really comes down to the circle one putt. That's the difference yes. between her and Absolutely. Paige at this event. And then for Ella, mm -hmm. she's performing to her abilities on these types of courses in my, is my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. And she did well at uh, U.S. Women's too. Like and that wasn't fully open bomber course, but I don't know. She's she's performing well, but it's not consistent yet. Yeah, but, but she's, she was tied for the park percentage, which was also pretty cool. So it's cool to see Ella getting her name up there. And then, like you said, Haley King was tied with Ella, and she doesn't have anything that she exceptionally did incredible when it comes to the stat line. But she was consistent in all of her stats to play well throughout the event. Um, her best one was probably, I think she took second place in circle one X putting. Oh no, uh, excuse me. It's fourth at 80%. So obviously she's still putting very well. Uh, but all of her other stats were just kind of casual. I think, <coughs> excuse me. I think one of the craziest things to watch at this is just the amount of points that these FBO players averaged above their ratings. Yeah. I mean, Paige, Paige Pierce shooting 30 points above it, averaging 1,006. Uh, Katrina, 31.33. And then Ella Hansen averaging 72.33 points above her rating. So clearly this was an event that they could score well on, uh, obviously, which they did. And I think it was, you know, the first round, they had actually had a lower score coming in than the top MPO player. Yeah. Which I know some of the T-pads are shorter. Don't get me wrong. I do know that. But it was cool to see uh, that stat. Yeah, and before we move it into MPO, which we're going to do here in just a moment, this is really interesting. Shout out to Stat Mando. All the stats that we're talking about come from Stat Mando. Follow them on Twitter. Other exciting things coming down the pipe. Can't say thank you enough to those guys for providing us and hooking us up with these stats every week. Uh, Paige Pierce won. Uh, well, she won, obviously, the Portland Open. Here's the interesting thing. This is, and I want to say it, this is her most consistent performance ever her most consistent performance across all three rounds like she didn't have like a big swing where she had to come back and do you know 12 12 stroke victory in the last you know round she performed yeah. her most consistent across all three rounds and i say most that is a tied for most so she's done this one other time in her career um that is that's really good for her she is now firing on mm -hmm. all cylinders it may be yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's what it seems like. Yeah. 
And um, so good job to her. And then finally, we talked about Katrina leading scramble. She was she destroyed leading the scramble. So when she was off, yeah. 75% of those throws, she was able to still grab her par or give her the bid to do it. And then the second best was Holly Finley at 48%. So like Katrina was doing really well with that. She was very close yeah. to a victory here. Let's move over to MPO. Nick, I'll just kind of run down on the the placement. We can talk mm-hmm. about the stats. So Eagle McMahon, we'll just start at the top, takes it down um, in a, a narrow margin. In fact, it came down yeah. to the very, very last putt. I, I, and honestly, a 20-foot putt that had his heart racing and bringing him back to, I think he said 2019 or whatever, Portland Open where he missed and had to go to a playoff. Almost the same scenario. Um, mm-hmm. Were you watching it live by any means or on disc or anything? I was. Okay. Yeah, I actually was watching it live at that point. I was heading home from the tournament. Did you see the recap of Paul McBeth on his last hole? He was on chase card, but they yeah. replayed it. That 60-foot putt, put it in. What feelings did you get when you saw that? Well, so I, I was super excited, obviously. And it's funny because I actually didn't think he made the putt because when he putted it, the way my – my car works when I have something plugged in. If I'm watching a video as I'm just like sitting there or whatever, it's a split second delayed. So when he putted it, I thought I saw the putter go past the basket. And then all of a sudden (laughs) my phone, like the car volume, just, you know, chains just took over the car and then everyone started screaming. So I was like, Holy crap. He actually did make it. (laughs) So I was, I was obviously super ecstatic. And then watching that hole though, um, as I saw him and Calvin play it, I was kind of like, okay, it seems like it's a hole that they should, like Ricky and Eagle both should birdie that hole. And then it started raining. So I was like, okay, this will actually add a little bit of a challenge going into this hole. And uh, obviously it played out the way that it did. Eagle made a great putt to end the tournament, uh, getting that birdie and taking the one stroke lead. But uh, shout out to Paul and Ricky. Ricky missed a big putt, I think just about 33 feet away right on the edge of circle one, maybe just outside of it, actually a little bit of elevation uh, raised basket. Yeah. Yep. And I think there, I could be wrong. I saw him toss a little grass before it looked to me like following his putt. I saw a tailwind. I don't know if that changed for him or not, but he did hit the front of the basket or, or even lower. Yeah. And I, uh, for some odd reason, I felt like the way Ricky was putting this weekend and then maybe even at master's cup a little bit, like I felt like he was almost rushing his putt and he had a couple misses that, you know, this last obviously two months that we've seen Ricky play, he hasn't been missing those certain putts. And so it was just kind of like, he didn't really seem like he was in a rhythm with his putting. Obviously he was canning some incredible putts, but it yeah. didn't seem like the Ricky that we've 85%, seen the last two months. 85% yeah. circle one. That's compared to his over 90% that he's probably been averaging for March, April, May 29th you know? in the field. So not good. That was his mistake yeah. too. Um, but exactly. yeah, so Paul tied for second. Amazingly. I thought we were going to see possibly a three way playoff. If Eagle missed his putt. Yeah. Three of the best, three of literally the best go to a playoff. Uh, that would have been interesting. Uh, Calvin Heimberg tying for fourth with Kevin Jones, which that's a storyline before we move on from there. Yeah. Kevin Jones quadruple bogeying. I want to say it was like whole 14 or 15, 14 or 15 and yeah, four holes left. So that would be 14. Uh, meaning. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I'd have to go back and look. It was, uh, yeah, 15. <laughs> okay. No, wait. Yeah. It was whole 15. Okay. Quadruple bogey, OB, OB, miss putts, all that. It swings from him with a two stroke lead to two stroke deficit to the leader. That has to be demoralizing. In fact, Nick, 
I don't want to tease it out too big, but I think we're going to get Simon Lazat on here um, where he's going to talk about maybe the feelings of what happened in that moment. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, I'm curious what it would be like to watch that happen. Yeah, exactly. And obviously we're going to ask Simon what it was like. A great performance out of him. Holy cow. Chance to win it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Nick, what else stands out to you about? Oh, let's talk real quick. Simon did take seven, but Brody Smith, best finish at an elite series event, best finish, 13th. What was the notable here for him? Uh, the notable was his park percentage was first at 17% along with a couple other people. And then I think easily the most notable is 100% circle 1x putting. He was 14 for 14 when it came to circle 1x putting, meaning anything from 11 to 33 feet. The UDIS stats have him at uh, 14 out of 14 made. And if you look in the final round, I think he missed two circle one putts. All the other ones were parked except for the, I think it was another two putts that were at 16 feet apiece. So that obviously generalizes between 11 to 22. Um, but hundred percent circle one X putting, that's incredible for him. He was able to jump up into 13th place, take home what he said was his biggest payday so far. I think he said it was about $900 or 850. I think it was 900 that he took away. And, uh, Brody yeah, took 900 bucks. To yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And first place took 5,000. That's not bad for a pro tour. Um, yeah. And Eagle averaged $27.78 per throw. Fun stat there. I think this is fifth highest. Wild. I think this is fifth yeah. highest. So, again, thank you to Stat Mando for some of these stats here that they've provided. It's mm -hmm. excellent and easy for us to provide them to you. Go follow them on stat, at Stat Mando on Twitter. Um, so, Nick, I think I was putting together, I say, I think I was putting together some other stats today. Um, and if you had to guess, um, who is the player on tour that is averaging the best finishes, um, across elite series and NTs and DGPTs, including uh silver series. So disc golf pro tour or national tour, who's averaging the best finish and everybody Paul. that's out there right now, go ahead and make your comments. Nick, you, what'd you say? Paul, Paul Macbeth. That is accurate. After Santa Cruz, it, before that, I think it was uh, Calvin. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then so before Santa Cruz, and then Calvin. We didn't talk about this last week actually because the payouts weren't out yet, and we just didn't do the math. But uh, that last week, Calvin actually did miss cash at Santa Cruz. So yeah, it makes sense. I guess beforehand, yeah, we're always kind of seeing his name up there and he's got that one win at the vintage open. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. His worst finish was what fifth place at Texas States at a national tour event. So yeah. And for Ricky, his worst fit, his worst finish in the past, like 50, um, that like the past year, uh, was Santa Cruz as well. So even for Ricky. So anyways, yeah, not an easy course. Yeah, no. So long, long story short, they, if you, and if you take those out, so if I take out every single, um, how am I, I'm trying to get this out of my mouth. Come on today, junior. <laughs> if you take their worst performance this year, okay. Each of the top 10, let's say, and get rid of their worst performance and average out their finishes. It's incredibly tight at like, Eagles actually leading, believe it or not. If you get rid of worst performance this year, so like yep. give them one fluke event, yep. which was Waco for Eagle. For Eagle, yeah, where he just made cash by one, like one stroke. So if you get rid of the worst finishes, so Calvin gets rid of that, you know, 
Paul gets rid of his, like, I think it was Las Vegas or something. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. Eagle has 2.6 whatever placement finish. Then it's like Ricky and Calvin at like 3.2 and then Paul at like 3.2 or 3.3. So like they're like dead heat for performance. But if you, anyways, interesting. They're performing well. We're going to talk about going into Worlds, yeah. who we think has the upper hand. Um, so I'm not sure here. Let me take a quick look. Um, we're mm-hmm. trying to line up Stacy Ronsley here. And Stacy, I don't know if you can hear us, but we cannot see you yet. And I'm not sure that she's in the call. Oh, there we go. Okay. So let me go ahead and line this up here. Um, mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, we have lined up Stacy Ronsley. We're, we're not even sure who she, No, I'm kidding. I used that joke earlier. We're going we're gonna to find out a little bit about Stacy. Let's go ahead and bring her in now. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, why isn't it, Nick? I'm not on the ball here. So let me, That's Stacey, all right. Well, sit, she's, well, she's tight. in the green room right now <laughs> while Matt is figuring this out. I'll kind of give you a quick little rundown on Stacy. Uh, Stacy is actually new to the tour this year. She's in a rookie season competing out on the road. She is doing the road warrior life, um, driving around a car and a trailer. And I guess just living it up in the disc golf scene, but it looks like we have her in the call now. So I guess we'll pretty much give it to her. And yeah, Stacy. Stacy, so where are you? You're in a car. For those who are listening, driving around in their car, um, where are you located? Not not necessarily like, are you in a gas station, but like, what state are you in? Are you traveling? And um, yeah, I think I'm in Oregon still. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, um, so you just left the Portland Open. Um, how did you feel about your performance there? Um, I feel like the first round I did really really well. I had a lot of uh, circle one missed cuts, which were like crushing because I would have had my first thousand rated round if Mm. I could putt that first day. But, um, yeah, the second round that was still in my head. So I had like no confidence going into my putting the second round. And then the third round, it kind of all came together and I was a lot more relaxed, but, um, I got another top 15 finish. So, you know, I can't really be mad at that. Can you (laughs) now for some odd reason, the PGA doesn't have the FPO stats when it comes to cash at this event was Mm -hmm. 14th place. Good enough for cash. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Cool. I think it was up to like 18. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, Just kind of like strolling through it without like getting my calculator out and everything like that. But that is good to know. Yeah. So your PDGA history player, we, I quickly, our stat department, which is me, <laughs> I took a look and I found that you uh, have a PDGA player history starting in 2019. That's two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So when did you actually first get into disc golf? And then at what point did you decide uh, touring was the right option? Sure. Uh, so I actually first started playing March 2019. That was the first time I ever picked up a disc golf disc. Um, wow. I played Ultimate for like nine years, and I just didn't love it as much as I used to anymore. So one of my friends, Josh Fortney, shout out to you, uh, he got me involved and like brought me out to a course. And I actually remember the exact throw, where I was, and everything about it. But like... I actually got a disc golf disc to fly like how it should. And then I was just completely addicted to it. Um, started practicing every single day. And then um, thanks to ultimate, I feel like the time that it takes to learn disc golf was accelerated and I was able to get relatively decent early on. And then a lot of people like when COVID hit, a lot of people kept saying like, Oh, you should definitely go on tour. And I was like, no, that's for people that are like way better than me. And then, um, I just had all the time in the world and I practiced, I mean, I lost my job obviously cause of COVID. And so just practiced a ton. And then after that, I was like, maybe I 
could go on tour. Mm-hmm. And then that idea just kind of came to fruition, I guess. And then now here I am. Like, yeah. There you go. <laughs> awesome. So I guess, yeah, I guess it's obviously it's your first year on the actual tour itself. What are the pros and cons about it so far that you're dealing with? It's a lot of it's disc golf is 100% what you do. So like a lot of your downtime is spent like getting errands run or um, there's not a whole lot of downtime is what I'm trying to say. It's either disc golf or you're catching up on life. Um, I think that's kind of like a con. There's not a whole lot of time to do a lot of random stuff. Um, Pro, obviously you get to do disc golf all the time. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's super fun. You get to hang out with people constantly. Uh, you do get to see a lot of beautiful things. Like I just touched the Pacific Ocean for the first time like two weeks ago. I've never really seen mountains before. And here I am like driving through a ton of these beautiful mountains. I've never seen pine trees this tall before. I'm from uh, the Midwest and we didn't really travel a lot. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's absolutely incredible to actually go on this adventure. So, Very cool. Nice. Very cool. Um, yeah. So I was looking at your scheduled event list according to the pdga you are mm-hmm. full you're full blown in like have you missed any disc golf pro tour events this year including silver I series missed, yeah i missed one silver series <laughs> and the mid-america open and i just my body just needed a break other than that yeah i've been like full send <laughs> yeah, exactly i'm not gonna lie i was very surprised i was like wow every okay because we looked at 2020 and you played two disc golf pro tour events. That was it. And I don't think there was NTs or anything. Now it's nope. full, like you said, now it's full send. The only thing I have as a question is for some reason, the MVP open at Maple Hill is not on your list. What's up there? I think I'm on the wait list for it. Ah. Oh, okay. That makes sense then. Yeah. That's like one of the ones I want to do the most. So yeah. I'm definitely. <laughs> I'm laughing because I was like, that's there's cool. no way she's choosing that one to be missed. <laughs> So that's cool. Good to find out. Yeah, right. I probably can't spill the beans here. I was just talking to Steve Dodge, the tournament director, earlier today. There, I'll just put it this way: there may, there may be an opportunity for FPO to get in. That's that's. Uh, I don't know. I, I should keep my mouth shut <laughs> at some point. Just just wait for him to leak. It. Yeah, I'll wait for him to leak it. If Steve, if you're watching, I didn't give it away. I just said pay attention. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Um. So you talked about touring, everything you're doing is disc golf. When it's disc golf, it's disc golf. Your life is disc golf. So, but unless you're winning or getting on a podium finish at most events, you're walking away with not that much money. If I break down just your tour winnings, which I kind of did a little bit of quick math, it's not really that much. And it's hard. I would imagine it's very hard to live off of. Uh, how are you, how are you making everything work? Like you're doing all this, you lost your job. Like, how is it all working for you? So I made sure that I saved up a bunch of money before I left for the tour to have the savings because I didn't want to go on the tour and rely on the winnings to survive. Um, Cause you know, it's your rookie year. You have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily I've been able to cash at like all the events except for two. So I've done like pretty well for my rookie year. Um, I bought a teardrop trailer that I tow behind my car mm-hmm. and I sleep in that. Um, so it saves like Airbnb. I haven't paid a single dollar to stay anywhere, um, so far. <laughs> and, uh, that's awesome. yeah, I think that's the best way I've, I've cut down, but yeah, I had a huge savings before I left. Nice. 
Well, so we're about halfway through the season so far. There's obviously still a ton of events left, especially the big East Coast swing. But a majority of the events, you know, obviously starting out the beginning of the year are now over. Do you feel comfortable being out in the road still? Do you feel like you should have stayed back home a little bit longer? How do you feel about your game so far? Um, since I left for tour, my I feel like my game has improved like tenfold. I mean, you you learn so much from all these incredible women and even the guys help you out a lot. Um I kind of, when I left for the tour, wasn't sure how I was going to like it. Um, but now that I'm out here, I'm absolutely in love with it. And um, I'm very comfortable out on the road. You kind of find your routine. You find your people that you consistently, like, spend your time with. And it just makes it a lot more homey. So, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable out here at this point. Nice. Can I ask, yeah. who, who have you found that's making it homey for you? Who are the players that you're able to hang out with and connected with? If, sure. you, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Um, a lot of the people that I like stay in the parking lots with, it's like Luke Sampson, John Willis, um, Zagone, and like a few other players. Those are my like core people. Phil, um, there's a bunch of different, it kind of rotates. Some people get Airbnbs sometimes. Some people stay in the parking lots. Um, I just, I obviously choose the free option every time. Um, and like, as far as like playing wise, I play a lot with Juliana Corver. I play with Hannah Macbeth a lot. Um, I hang out with like Ricky a lot and yeah, just wow. kind of the people that go around, I'd say. And so, how is that going from, I mean, obviously you've been playing for two years now. Did you, before you went out on the road and everything like did, that, did you watch YouTube coverage like post round? Were you into the pro scene of disc golf at all? Not really. No. Um, I was actually like really embarrassed. The first time I played with Ricky was at like Deglo last year in 2020 and we went out and got lunch later and I had no idea of his Lyme disease and stuff. And like, I just had no idea about anyone's life stories and this kind of got me in trouble a few times, but um, <laughs> I really didn't pay attention too much. I, I watched to get better. I watched yeah. FPO a lot, but I didn't really pay attention to the men all that much. Sorry guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that just made me laugh. Sorry guys. Um, that, that's awesome. And uh, shout out, yeah, to Hannah. Sometimes she's in our chat. So, Hannah, if you're out there, you know, Stacy says she's hanging out with you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Love and the, the heart hands for those driving yeah. around in their cars listening or at work. Uh, Stacy just gave us the heart hands <laughs> uh, uh, for Hannah, not for us. Um, so, and for you. oh, and for us. You're a lot of drives. Okay. What was that? Say that again. I missed it. I said your podcast helps me out on a lot of the long drives. It's it's long enough. A lot of people will say that it's, it's definitely long enough. It's oh, speaking of which, we just brought on two weeks ago uh, another. I, I don't know what you want to call him. Not a convert, but like from uh, Ultimate uh, Ella Hansen. Did you ever, in all of your Ultimate career, get to play against her? No, she was way too good for me to play against her. <laughs> no, who she was though, like when I was an ultimate player, I knew who Ella Hansen was as an ultimate player. So oh, it's really nice. cool. or now as a disc golfer as an equal, it's pretty neat. Nice. That's very cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you found yourself on a lead card at the vintage open. Um, I think mm -hmm. is was that your first lead card experience at a disc golf pro tour or NT? Yeah, for sure. Um tell us about that. Did, were there any really excited feelings, nervous feeling? What was that like? And did you perform the way you hoped? Like to be on camera? Sure. Yeah. Whatever's involved with the lead card for you. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I finished the first round and my mom was texting me and she was like, how do you think you did? And I was like, yeah, I think I played okay. Like even par, that's that's good, I think. And then she was like, do you know what place you're in? And I was like, no, I'll look at it tomorrow when I figure out like whose card I'm going to be on. And so she eventually told me that I was on lead card or like I was in first place at the time. And I was like completely thrown off by that. But um, yeah, and then on lead card when I actually was filmed, um, I was definitely super nervous. I think I messed up like the first three holes pretty poorly. <laughs> like I pretty, I messed it up pretty bad. And then uh, I was, I was kind of smooth sailing from there. I hit like one big circle two putt. And then after that, I was like super comfortable and I was like, Oh, okay. No, I can still throw, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about the cameras after a while. There you go. So I think you took seventh place finish there. Is that kind of, Obviously, you were on the lead card. What we're seeing, like an average of like 14th place finishes, it seems like if we take the whole season so far. Uh, do you feel yeah. like? Th- do you feel like that's your performance level? What What is left for you to give and improve on? Do you Do you have a goal set in mind for yourself? Yeah. So my original goal was going to be hit 920 rated by the end of the year, but I think I'm going to hit that maybe even on this next rating update. Mm. Uh, oh, so- nice. Yeah, I've been averaging 9.35, I think, for the last month and a half. So um, I'm improving more than I expected to be. So I think, I don't think I've reached my peak by any means. I think I have so much potential left that I'm just so excited to actually like put all the, like, the pieces of my game together. So often I feel like my putting is like super on, but my drives are really off that day. Or it's like upshots are good, but putting is off or like it's never all three at the same time Mm -hmm. um so once i can get it all honed in i think i'll improve a lot but the one thing that i like don't have mastered is a backhand upshot like a with a putter just anything within like 200 to 250 feet i kind of that's my like weak spot Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick, I'm laughing because if she if she competed, remember when we did the uh, CTP challenge, the Nick and Matt show CTP challenge? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I found somebody who maybe um, would be my equal. I have trouble on that apparently too, from 200 to 250. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it's, you're saying it's a tough shot. It's a tough it shot. I think even Haley King said that was one of her struggles this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Talked with her about it a few times because we're both <laughs> yeah. in the same. I'll throw like touch four hands for all of our upshots and so mm-hmm. yeah um so am i correct in saying that you don't have like i, I don't want to downplay your sponsorship but you don't have like a, a big mainline manufacturer sponsorship right she does yeah. now that was my next question oh yeah. exclusive no yeah. i don't know <laughs> could you say that again our, our skype cut you out you're good uh i signed with innova a few weeks ago Ooh, very nice. My question to that was going to be, you recently signed with Innova (laughs) Champion Discs. What led to the decision and how how has it affected the travel and your play? Were you throwing a majority of Innova before you even got sponsored by them? How did it all work out? Yeah, so when I first started playing, um, transitioning from Ultimate to Disc Golf, I felt like the Innova Discs were actually what I would go to originally. So all of the drivers in my bag were pretty much already Innova. Um, I threw the Jawbreaker zones for my upshots a lot. So that's going to be like the biggest uh, transition for me is to get out of those for my forehand upshots and find something else. But I think I'm going to go with the pigs. So I think I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like the putter is 
the JK AVR is almost the same as what I was using before. So it it's a little bit of a difference, but like I said, I've been throwing Innova since I first started. So it's not, it, it isn't too much to backtrack back to that. So now how did that conversation get into fruition between you and Innova? Um, they reached out to me and they said they saw the vintage open coverage and they were, they were liking what they saw. They thought it had a lot of potential and they kind of reached out and sent me an offer within the week. And, um, I weighed a few options, but Innova was definitely the one to go with. And I just feel very, very confident with that choice. So <laughs> nice. You had a few options. Yeah. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Awesome. Nice. That's great. It was, um, it was, it was more expected. So it was really cool to actually like, see all my hard work and like other people recognizing it and stuff. So it was, yeah. it was, a really, it was nice. Yeah, that is great. Um, were you athletic before disc golf? Like uh, you did ultimate, but I guess before ultimate, um, or was ultimate your whole athletic history before disc golf? No, um, I played, so I was actually, so I'm six foot tall and that's like a factor that everyone knows I'm super tall. Um, but I was super, super short when I was a kid. So I was like, four foot nine and 74 pounds up until like my junior year of high school. And, um, I told myself, well, I talked to my parents about it a ton. I was playing tons of sports at the time. I was like a swimmer softball. I was like running cross country a little bit. I did a few other sports. I don't really remember them now, but, um, I decided to quit swimming cause I thought I'd never have a swimmers build. <laughs> sure. Have that now. Don't I? <laughs> um, so I chose softball and I played softball through college. And, um, cause I picked a sport that you don't really need to be tall or need to be tall to play. And then I just skyrocketed. So yeah, I played softball through college and then I picked up yeah. ultimate from there. So awesome. nice. Did you just see people playing ultimate or did someone say, Hey, come out and throw a frisbee with us? Like, how did that come about? So yeah, I went to Huntington university, uh, and they did, they call it the mall. Mm-hmm. And it's like just this big sidewalk in the middle of the campus. And a bunch of people were just throwing frisbees and, um, I just saw people throwing a forehand and I'd never seen someone throw a Frisbee like that. And so I was like, Oh, can you teach me how to do that? And then they spent like 15 minutes teaching it to me. And then I figured it out really easily. And then they were like, Oh man, you picked that up really quick. You should come play ultimate with us. Well, I wasn't allowed to because of my softball scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would throw a ton on the mall. And then, uh, when I left there, there was like a local, uh, mixed team. And I just was, went for tryouts there and made it. And then, just kind of made it a whole thing. Cause I would still practice with them. I just wouldn't go to tournaments at in the college campus, mm-hmm. but it was fun. <laughs> awesome. Um, so <laughs> I kind of have two questions that are not disc golf related per se. You mentioned losing your job. Do you mind sharing what you did before disc golf was your job? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so I love dogs. <laughs> if you uh, want to find me on a disc golf course, I'm probably petting the dog. Um, I used to manage pet stores and, uh, did that for like five or six years. And then, um, that company went out of business. So I started serving tables at restaurants and then, yeah. Um, and then finally from me, and as we get ready to wrap this up, I always ask, are there other hobbies? I know you're touring and all that right now. Are there other hobbies that you find, um, that you're missing right now? Or have you brought any with you hobbies or are there hidden talents that, you know, you can perform or what, what do you have outside of disc golf? Um, 
I play, I like spike ball. I definitely brought spike ball. Pretty much any athletic thing. I play volleyball with my friends and stuff. Like I'm down to do any athletic thing ever. Um, I love to sing, but I'm a terrible singer. <laughs> Same. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so just leave your leave your camera on as you drive around. We'll just pipe you in every now and then during the show. I'm sure you're going to sing after you get out of here. Um, All right. Yeah, I, no, go ahead. I guess my... Yeah, my last thing, I kind of like a two-part question, but um, what are your goals? Obviously, you said you wanted to do 920, but you think you're going to get above that pretty quickly, so now you're raising the bar on that level. Um, what are your goals for disc golf this year? And then I have another question afterwards. Sure. Um, this whole year, my whole like focus point has been uh, getting Rookie of the Year, so I'm hoping that I can I can achieve that. Ella Hansen is making that very hard. <laughs> um but uh, that's a main goal of mine. And then getting 930 rated, I think, by the end of the year, if, if I can. And then honestly, like, I know it sounds really simple, but finding a putt that fits and works for me that I can just do continuously and not change up all the time would be. It's really not, nice. it's not simple. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I don't ever think if someone tells you it's simple to find a putt, it's, it's really not. But um, I guess no. then my question afterwards We've said it before in the interview now, you're new to the tour this year. What would you give, if you had to give a piece of advice to someone who is looking to do the same thing you did this year, they're going to try to do it next year. What kind of advice would you give them? Like they're going to try to tour next year? Yeah. Um, my main advice would be save up money um, and don't expect too much out of yourself right away. Uh, trust the process, which everyone keeps telling me, but that I don't really know what that means. So you kind of have to make it up for yourself. I think if you're going to go on tour, if you don't achieve your goals, that's okay. You just have to give yourself a lot of grace and, um, yeah, just trust yourself and believe in yourself because no one else is going to do that for you. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, you have the confidence to go out there and do it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, just go for it. You can't, you can't go halfway. Exactly. I feel like if there's one thing I'm taking away from this, it's that you are somebody who just goes for it. As I mentioned last year, two events as far as pro tours in this year, every single one, you're going for it. So um, that's really cool to, love see. to see. It. Yeah, love to see it. Um, we're excited about FPO uh, specifically this year. It's been incredible. I've been watching disc golf for 14 years. And this year, the FPO division is shining in ways that we've never seen. Mm-hmm. A, a lot because of players like you and others coming that are new and good talent, as well as old FPO players. I say old uh, Juliana Corver. Sorry, Juliana. Uh, but awesome to have her back. But I mean, old names as well are performing at their highest levels as well. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for taking time out of your drive. Are, where are you heading towards right now? Utah or? Yes. Utah. We're going to open to practice the courses and then worlds after that. Okay. Very cool. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Have a very safe travel to your destination. And uh, we hope to have you on the show again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Cool. Good meeting you, Stacy. Have a great night. See you around. All right. Bye. 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 All right, everybody. Stacy Ronsley, uh, Nick of Innova Champion Disc. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe yeah, I yeah. should have read your show notes. <laughs> I was gonna say I did have that as one of the questions. It wasn't uh, there. All right. So no, she, yeah, take she take it away, Nick. What, what were some of the notables? Actually. What were some of the notables uh, from that interview? Notables is you know she's got the confidence to be on the road right now, which obviously is what you need. And then uh, just being able to live that tour life, and she's finding the way to do it 
by kind of like living small at the moment. And so not getting Airbnbs with everyone every single week is going to save you a ton of money. Cooking your own food rather than going out to eat every single night is going to save you a bunch of money. So she's obviously thinking about this long term. She's thinking, what is the way that she can actually make this work? And she seems happy to be doing it right now. Um, I follow her on Instagram. We've talked before, and she has said you know, she struggles with the putt here and there, trying to figure it out. She's got a little elbow issue um, with putting here and there. But uh, once she figures it out, I mean, she will play very well at events. She's got a solid backhand, a good forehand, a great forehand approach shot. And then once she figures out that putt, she'll be fine. Yeah, I think she's doing it the right way where she didn't have real expectations for like, hey, I'm just going to go out and make yeah. money and live on the road. Like she's planning ahead saying yeah. this year is going to be a learning year. That's yeah, it's um, that's good. And honestly, it's funny. She's sitting in her car. She's like, I'm six feet tall. I did, I've never met her in person. I don't know if she's tall or not, but man, I'm pretty sure she must be decent at volleyball. She loves all sports. She's tall. And right. yeah, um, so that's volleyball. awesome to see. I'm really glad we had her on and um, she seems like she has, I'll say, I, I think it's old school to say, but a good head on her shoulders. Like I'm excited to see. I, I agree. Her, her ambition is to be player rookie of the year. Like mm-hmm. that. And she, as she said, Ella Hans is making it tough. <laughs> Which yeah, she definitely is. Ella's playing incredible this year. Uh, it's cool to see new faces out on the tour though. I, I do really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the reason why you're kind of hearing me a little bit stutter here is because I'm actually lining up an, another surprise guest to everybody. <laughs> but uh, I think we're ready actually to bring him in. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Simon Lazat. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> what up, what up, what up, what up? <laughs> so uh, you're still out in Oregon? Yes, I'm spending my last couple of minutes here in the Airbnb and we're going to go grab some dinner and then I have a late night flight back to boston landing at 6 a.m tomorrow morning <laughs> so i have a i have a long night ahead of me that sounds awful <laughs> yeah you got someone to pick you up at the airport i'm not volunteering <laughs> <laughs> yeah nick said he was gonna be right there <laughs> yeah, i'll leave now if i leave right now i'd actually be there in time to get you with flowers thank you <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can take me out for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> so simon i have to say and you can ask my wife sometime when you make it back over here. When you got announced at the Portland Open as being from Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, I literally was like fist pumping. I'm like, yeah, baby, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. Like you're officially a resident of Shrewsbury. Was that how many times have they announced that? Did they do that at OTB as well? Dude, that announcer threw us all for a loop. He announced us differently yeah. every single round. First round was our first ever open victory. So that was some random German tournament I won like 13 years ago. And then round That's two awesome. was our last open victory. The vacation and then round life. three was our biggest ever victory, which he completely failed because he said European Open champion instead of European champion, which obviously oh. everyone that knows this golf, that European yeah. Open is major and I've never won a major so um, yeah, it was every every time he announced me, I was like just shaking my head, like nope, <laughs> got it wrong again, or just like surprised. But yeah, I well, think I'm gonna tell everyone from now on. I want to be announced as being from Germany, just because that's technically where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Well, I just gotta say, at least for that moment in time, I was like, Shrewsbury's made it on the map. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. exactly. I, I, yeah, I, I love to represent, of course. There you go. 
So we really had you on tonight for, for two or three reasons, but one of them being, tell us about how you feel about your performance. I think going into it, you said top 10 would be great. You did that. And I feel like you actually showed off a little bit more than maybe even you expected. Tell us about your overall performance. Yeah. You know, I said I might sneak in a top 10 or I said that would be nice, but I didn't really sneak it in. I kind of like whatever the opposite of sneak in is. I just like you just yeah, you just went and ran it. You did it. Yeah. So nothing subtle about it. I didn't know I was going to be in the Jomas card until the day before the event. So that was kind of surprising to me. And obviously, we all love playing on the Jomas camera and having the galleries and all that is obviously always a bonus. But at the same time, it adds a lot of stress. It adds a lot of pressure, especially because I know everyone from Europe is watching. And I just feel like sometimes me being the only one here from Europe, or actually Albert Tam was here now too, which was mm-hmm. awesome to see him here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like I'm freaking carrying the European disc golf on my shoulders sometimes, <laughs> which uh, I'm probably not, and it's probably just in my head. But uh, I just, yeah, I maybe maybe I need some like m- some tricks and tips on how to not think about that kind of stuff because, man, I get nervous, especially having not played for so long, and this is only my second event back. Um, it's not a walk in the park; it really isn't, especially the way the sport the sport has been growing. Playing with Eagle on the same card also adds like a different kind of vibe for me because we stay together. We often travel together. Obviously, we practice together. It's just like it's like a friend rivalry kind of thing, which is mm-hmm. just a different kind of vibe. So I end up playing with Eagle all three rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it was. I was pretty happy. I managed to throw decently far. I'd never tweaked my elbow on this crazy course, which Dustin Keegan designed. And then apparently Jeff Spring made it like a thousand feet longer um, when they like kind of redesigned it to get it ready for the event. And it, it was tough. It was really tough. And I don't know if I felt like I played that great. I felt like I played solid, especially round one with going bogey free for me is always a huge achievement. Oh yeah. Um, I just felt like the others were just struggling a bit because I don't know. I didn't feel like that course laid out for me that well because of my injury, but I, I don't know. I was, I guess it was all just good enough. And the final round, of course, everyone saw what happened. Um, overall pretty happy, but the putting, my circle's edge seems to be like my biggest weakness. Cause I'm just like an inch off here and there. And that's, if you're an inch off two or three times, then it just feels impossible to catch up. Yeah, it's funny because you you were sixth in putting at this event at 91%, which was honestly third place was 92%. So there's a ton of people in the mix right there. And then your circle two putting, you're at 33%. You were 16th in that. You hit six out of 18 of them, which isn't too bad at all. But like you're saying, if that slightest inch, if you increase on that, I mean, look what you can do, you know? it's It was definitely a good confidence booster uh, right before Worlds. Yeah. And the OTB album was kind of ish the same thing where I felt like, man, if I took my chances and I didn't get my like these two unnecessary double bogeys and switch those for like pars or birdies, I'm like right there. Mm-hmm. And it's it that's just how, how golf is played. And it's always comes down to a couple inches. It comes down to one or two shots where the momentum switches or mm-hmm. just the whole your whole moment, not the momentum, your whole confidence. And, you know, 
I mean, you guys play this golf too. You know that sometimes one shot can like dictate a round mm -hmm. and one round can dictate a whole tournament. So it really comes down to like sometimes just like split seconds of what's going to go down. So I need to take more advantage moving forward. But yeah, I'm gonna, well, I have I have 10 days to work on my putting. Yeah. Now. So speaking of one shot dictating someone's tournament, you were able to witness that one shot completely flip someone's momentum in the tournament. Kevin Jones on hole 15, the final round, you were on the same card as him. He was putting a great push. He actually had the lead at this point. He misses a putt. It rolls OB. My first question was, okay, he's probably just going to leave it there and re-putt from that same spot. But then he picked up his mini. Was the out-of-bounds putt further or closer? What was kind of like, what was going through your head and what do you think was going through his head? Well... Kevin was playing amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, Eagle was kind of struggling. I was on a freaking par train, and Ricky made early one or two mistakes. So Kevin was just nailing the putts and just taking every chance he could get to gain strokes. Um, and we all thought and felt kind of like this is this is Kevin's tournament, and just it all just seemed like that. But. Um, it's never over till it's over. You, you yeah. learn that every freaking tournament again. It's never over yep. till it's over. 15, one of the most picturesque, nicest par threes I've ever seen in my life. Like, I loved that hole. It's such a good hole, I thought. Um, Kevin tried to play it smart, which at first I thought that was the right thing to do. But looking back, I think it maybe was not the right thing to do. But you never know, I guess. Mm -hmm. And... We there was a storm rolling and we actually got super mm -hmm. lucky with the weather that final round because the yeah. prediction was terrible the day before, and then it got better with like every hour we got closer to the round, and then the storm rolled in on us on hole 14 when it started getting windy and 15 and on the worst possible moment on this putting green with the mound and the OB around it it's just it was so gusty and so swirly yeah. like it was literally unpredictable wind. You just kind of toss it up there and hope for the best. You saw me lay up a 30-footer or something to take mm -hmm. even a double bogey in that hole. Yeah. Um, but Kevin, yeah, I, heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Miserable to watch something like that. So unlucky. Like, it, mm -hmm. the first putt, okay, well, he, that was definitely a miss, but the second one that barely chained out, got caught by the wind, landed on this terrible angle, and just slow-rolled OB. Like, that was just miserable and sometimes you just wonder like how like how does it yeah. happen it never looked like eagle was going to win after like hole nine and then just one hole and everything changed it was it was uh entertaining but Ooh. maybe in that case not really in a good way no exactly it was it was entertaining for the live viewers in the sense of like <laughs> oh my god it's kind of like <gasps> like what just happened and so that entertainment factor of it is you know it, it created a battle it created a momentum swing a flip-flop in the lead so you know we consider those great sports moments but they're not good like you know <laughs> it was almost so bad that it was kind of like so bad it's not bad anymore like you yeah. know when something's bad and it really sucks then it sucks but if it's so bad where you're just like you gotta just go like laugh at it almost yeah so how did how did the mood change on the card because obviously kevin was winning i don't know how serious you guys were on the card eagle and you are friends ricky's been a comical character this whole year he seems to be doing really well with everything in life and then you have kevin who's now leading the tournament how did the mood change on the card potentially when that happened well i was i just after after i 
my second shot on 14 went OB, and I got the double bogey in 15 after that. I felt like a spectator from then on. I just wanted to get the round over with, maybe get one or two more birdies, get my top 10 in and just be happy with that. And Eagle and Ricky were like, obviously they knew then the battle was on. And actually, I know Ricky checked the scores. I'm pretty sure Eagle was not really aware, at least what Chase Cart was doing yep. or how he and Ricky were standing. Um, I checked the scores right after all that went down and I saw Paul and Calvin both having a pretty good streak going. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, man, this is getting down to the last hole again. I was like getting nervous for the other guys almost. <laughs> the wind was gusting. Like, like yeah, yeah, we yeah. played in all kinds of conditions. We played in harder winds, but these winds were like yeah. the most unpredictable winds I've ever played in. Like it changed directions every 20 seconds. Really? It was yeah. just insane. So uh, I was just there to watch it. And Kevin didn't say a word for the rest of the round, was obviously super depressed. Mm-hmm. And Paul and Ricky, not Paul and Ricky, Eagle and Ricky were just full on game mode. Let, 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 let's see who can take it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the live viewers, we saw Paul because they did a replay, hit a 60 footer on the 18th green to possibly. Yeah, we heard that. Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that was a Paul yeah. moment. I think Hunter, my son, was sitting there before that going, we need a big beast moment. We need a big beast moment. <laughs> so that was cool. It was cool. I honestly, before. What happened to Kevin happened. I said, my son goes, who do you think is going to win? And I said, I don't think it's Kevin. Now, this is before this all happened. So I don't want to say I jinxed it, but I said, not Kevin. I don't think Eagle. I said, I'm rooting for Simon or Paul. So you guys put on a good effort. But in the end, no playoffs. Eagle takes it down. Can I ask before we keep you longer than we said we would? I saw you getting in a nice little Instagram yeah. back and forth with. Uh, I think it was Yuli. Yuli. There it is. And I was, yeah. it was my, it was my like evening entertainment before I went to bed. <laughs> um, <Nice>. what, <laughs> what do you feel like, uh, what do you feel like getting the, the words out here? Golf courses, as far as like disc golf on golf courses, uh, give us your just like summarization. You just played another one, but you love the preserve. Is this like the preserve to you? I think disc golf should not be played on golf courses, Okay, but I also think it is good for the sport right now for viewers sake spectators and the event itself we can make a lot of really cool things happen on a golf course having a driving range an awesome warm-up area super a lot of room for spectators we have a clubhouse with food and bathrooms like normal disc golf courses just don't have like those things where you think like well obviously an event needs those kind of things but it's just not that obvious yet and yeah. the big thing is, when I look at disc golf right now as a sport, I feel like our biggest weaknesses at this point is our courses. Disc golf is not meant to play, not meant to be played on golf courses. Obviously, golf courses are meant to be played on golf uh, mm-hmm. for golf, mm-hmm. and it makes sense because golf needs the rough and the fairway and the bunkers and the green. In disc golf, it doesn't matter if you play on a fairway or in the rough. It, it's like it's the same thing, or even in a bunker. Yeah. And Yuli's suggestion was we got to throw OB everywhere so unaccurate shots get punished. Yes. And my only point to that was, well, if a golfer hits the ball in the rough, that's not an instant stroke penalty. It's punished to make his next shot harder. So we need to find a way where we make the equivalent of that that makes the next shot that it's like kind of a handicap for the next shot, which doesn't mean instant stroke. And especially something where you have like, where you throw OB and then you have to go 300 feet back to where you crossed 
the OB. It's mm-hmm. like double punishment. I just think sometimes the OB rules we have are too harsh. So I'm a big fan of the hazard rule that we have in place at the USDGC sometimes. Some other tournaments do it as well. Um, but yeah, for the future of disc golf, I think we should move away from golf courses. And we need to find like the perfect hybrid course in the woods, technical, open shots. And then it all comes down to money at the end. We all know it. Mm-hmm. Golf courses mm-hmm. cost millions of millions of dollars. And that's why they look nice. And that's why they're perfect for their game. And there's never been a disc golf course for even close to a million dollars built. So. Okay, the Preserve Open, maybe not in the million dollar actual production of it, but like, do, I know you like the Preserve Open. Is that close to what you think golf courses should be like, or disc golf? The only reason I liked it was because I, what I said in my post was it was the most fair course we've played on tour okay. that I could remember. Like, good shots were good results, bad shots were bad results. And that for me, is what a sport should be is good skill should be rewarded and mistakes should be punished. And we, I mean, I love playing the woods. Nick knows it. I love mm-hmm. technical courses. Mm-hmm. I love shaping my mid ranges or fairways through the woods. I'm also kind of good at it and I enjoy it. But he's not kind of good at it. He's very good at it. I'll just, I'll yeah. just say that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, sometimes in the woods, a bad, a worth shot gets way better than an almost perfect shot. And that is, for me, the most frustrating thing in disc golf is that sometimes watching your opponents make mistakes and get away with it and you being the better player and getting punished, like that, to me, is not a good game. Well, where do I have the better advantage playing against you? It's in the woods. <laughs> like, that's where I have the advantage. So you're not wrong. I mean, I could get lucky. Yeah. Okay, and then final question about the course before we let you go. Uh, I found myself, and we're going to talk about this after you're off, being pleasantly surprised at my enjoyment for a course that played really hard to get birdies. At least that's how it was perceived to the viewer. Um, Do you feel like the pars were pretty accurate to how they should be, and they were just tough pars? Yeah, I mean, the the course was the longest course. I I think I heard a stat where someone said the longest course we ever played. Um, The par fives... In an ideal world for me, I mean, I also read comments all the time that we shouldn't compare disc golf to golf that much, yeah. but at the end of the day, we're, it's called the same name and it's kind of like played exactly the same. And a par <laughs> five in golf is, I think like 80 plus percent of par fives in golf are like seen as like eagle chances or mm-hmm. at reach, reachable in two if you want to, them to be. And these par fives, I mean, Eagle showed us twice on hole 18 that he could reach it in two, but that was not normal in any way. Like, no no yeah. one else came even close. Those par, five, par fives were, like, borderline par sixes, in my opinion. And then hole 14 was a borderline par five with two perfect air shots or a huge roller and then good perfect air shot you could reach it in two. But I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I really missed a couple putter shots out there and some, like, ace runs. I don't know why on the pro tour we don't enjoy putter shots or having like some cool, exciting ace runs because there's never aces. We need more aces. <laughs> I think, and this I is my summarization. I, I feel like this year, the West coast, whether it was because this event had to be changed, the OTB open had to be changed from San Francisco, which was long story short. We're seeing a lot of these like different courses, bigger, temporary, and then we're going to start getting to mid-America, if you will, and then to the East Coast. And I feel like we're going to start to see a lot more of that. But 
That's just how it feels, I think. Um, <clears throat> Nick, did we miss anything? Do you want to ask Simon anything before he gets on his plane? You got to go get him flowers. He's, he's expecting it. Yeah. Um, I guess my biggest thing was during the practice rounds, you guys were throwing from the turf pads. And then in the tournament, they actually oh, yeah. extended out a few feet on each side of the turf pads. <laughs> how much of an advantage was that? Because it looked like it changed a lot of lines. Dude, unbelievable. They made they didn't just allow us to tee off from the side, but they did like three or four feet on each side. So the tee pads were like 20 to 25 (laughs) feet wide. So you could like you could play two different holes from the same tee pad, basically, almost. Um, So it it changed. It changed a ton. Like I, I threw a couple way different lines in the tournament than I did in practice. So. The tee pads were just very unlucky, very unfortunate, and the whole staff, Jeff Spring, of course, Dustin Keegan, just super, super depressed about that. And um, does anyone know what happened to Brody? I just heard. Yes. Did he also slip on those? He's. I don't know if he slipped, but he said he's had a lingering knee injury that really flared up this morning. Um, I forget the actual Nick, tweet itself. I, okay. I, well, I actually, Drew had to yeah. drop out. Yeah, Drew and, had to drop out to do amphibia stuff. I was almost the only player all weekend that I saw at least throwing from the actual tee pad on most of the holes because it didn't really bother me that much. Paul said he threw from the tee pad on a few because I actually texted Paul about it. And I said, was it an issue with the tee pads itself or when they extended them? Did that just make the hole easier in a sense? Uh, He did say that on a few holes he was throwing from the tee pad itself. But a majority of the time he said there were just small little divots in them. Um, I mean, I'm not trashing at all what the pro tour did or what any of the people who built those deep pads did. They did it in a very, very, you know, small amount of time. So, you know, props to them and everything like that. But at the same time, I, I can't blame the people for throwing off the T pads, you know, what, what was the issue? Yeah. Were they soft? Is that what, it, is that what it was? So the issue was that. They, there was like a tee pad on top of a tee pad. Okay. So it had like a little tiny little bump in it on, on both sides, which made it kind of awkward to run up on it because it felt like you were running like onto a different tee pad from the tee pad. That was weird. And then the turf itself was really long. So mm. it was like almost too grippy in spots. But then when it got wet, it got super slick. Um, it was also not really tight. So it kind of like made this squishy noise when you walked on it. Us, it was overall not good. Yeah. Disc golfers can't have squishy noises. Do we know? Yeah, no squishy <laughs> noises. Do we know? You know, you could like pull the tee pad and it would like actually move. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's obviously not good for your planting foot or any run up. Um, <laughs> did that come from <laughs> Simon's laughing? Did, uh, we have we saw a video of you last year, I think, slipping on a tee pad in a rainy event. But did that? Yep. Do we know where those came from? Was that a disc golf pro tour provided tee pad, or was that? local oh, or gosh. do we have, have any idea no clue okay no i think clue. i think it was a local one a team went out there and actually built the tee pads you know just a little bit before the event and okay i think they just need to be settled in and maybe made just a little bit differently like simon is saying um but yep. you know you can't blame anyone for throwing off the tee pad if they felt like one that was safer and two if you find more of an advantage throwing from the left side of the tee pad why wouldn't you do that you know okay Last question, literally last question, just yes or no. Are you throwing more understable uh, of your disc because of your arm situation? Or was it just really windy? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't throw a single PD2 all weekend, basically. I threw my my first shot on round two was a PD2, which was, as if you saw the round, <laughs> I hit the first three. 
It was so embarrassing. Oh my yeah. god, I wanted to dig a hole and die, <laughs> and dive right into it. But uh, no, I'm throwing all DD3s now, which a year, two years ago was definitely not a thing. So I'm doing more of the Heiser flip game now, not just crushing full power PD2s flat or even on a slight turnover angle. So that's a slight change, but the truth is that DD3s fly way further with way less effort than PD2s. So um, I kind of have to at this point. That's yeah. what it looked like. That's why I had to I, ask. I'm like, it looks like you're not giving that 100%, yeah. as you've mentioned, and you're still getting good distance. I think you and Eagle are probably my two favorite people ever in disc golf to get mic'd up because the things you say <laughs> after your shot, it just has me laughing. And like one of your shots, you threw an uphill forget what hole it was but you're like that's a pd2 and it just kind of like slowly drifted into the ground and then eagle's putt when he was like are you scared of life yeah. like crap like that just had me dying laughing so right. on the next one eagle said the worst putt i've ever thrown <laughs> he like barely he barely misses a putt like above the basket or to the right of it and he's like it's yeah. the worst but i'm like believe me i've seen far worse <laughs> yeah no it's I don't know this whole mic'd up thing. I I still don't know if I I like it or not, but definitely some funny things said. When are you? When are you? Do you know what day you're coming out to Worlds? I'm flying out the 18th, early okay. morning flight. So I have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday to practice five days. I think cool. that'll do. Yeah, that should. So sweet. Well, I'll see you at Worlds then. Yeah, dude, I can't wait. I, uh, I'm looking I'm so forward pumped. to Worlds, and thanks for having me, guys. I'm going to pack up and head to the airport. Peace out, Sweet. bro. See you around. Peace out, brother. Safe travels. Bye. Take it easy. Nick, Good night. Nick, you got to get him flowers. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I, I got to leave right now. If I'm going to pick him up from the airport, I got a 10 hour trip that I got to make. So <laughs> yeah, I was no, like, I've done, I've done so much driving the last three weeks. I, I'm very excited to fly to Utah. Yeah. That's going to be a nice trip. <laughs> All right. So real quick, I actually texted Brody earlier today. I was like, what's up with the what's up with the MRI request? He put out on Instagram stories, hey, anybody have connections to get an MRI in uh, Portland? And so obviously it sounded fairly urgent, um, as in he wanted it there. And I asked him, hey, what's up? And because I said, we're probably going to talk about it on the show. <laughs> and I'd like to know. And he said, my left knee, so not his planting foot. But obviously you push off with that, with that, that leg. And then he said he heard it last week. He wasn't at Santa Cruz. Uh, I said, so what did I say? Did I, I said, did you hurt it on the golf course? <laughs> I know he got out for a round of golf with his wife. Yeah. And I also said, are events on hold until you figure out what's going on? And he says, yes. Like events are on hold, and he said he's not sure where the knee injury came from. Interesting. But he did say, I'm in limbo with events until I know how severe it is. <clears throat> so kind of a kind of an unfortunate time. Yeah. Um, obviously the world championships coming up in just about what two weeks. So hopefully everything is settled up by then. I think he actually did get the MRI today. Um, so hopefully good things come about. Maybe just a little time off is all that he needs. And just a lot of ibuprofen. Ice, ibuprofen. Yeah, we're don't not do doctors. That. Don't listen to us. I was yeah. going to say, like, yeah, ice definitely it. Definitely do not do that. <laughs> Jog on it a little bit. Stretch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's all good. Rest and relaxation is always good, too. Um, so that was very awesome of Simon to come on. It's, it's incredible, Nick. 
You know, the places we've come were Simon Lazat, trick shot king, at yeah. one point world distance record holder, now friend of the show and friend outside of the show. <laughs> we're just like, hey, you want to come on? Yeah, we'll come on. Yeah, of course. It's, it works out very nicely. He's a very good friend. Okay. So we're going to move into this topic right now. First of all, we're going to ask for your engagement on this to the chat live and post. And if you're driving around in your car, maybe you talk out loud, think about it with us. We're going to be going into worlds here soon. There's actually no NT or disc golf pro tour um, this week. There is an A tier that probably a lot of players, I say a lot, that they can play Utah Open. Yeah, a lot are going to it. Okay. but. Uh, I guess we might as well say now, Nick, you and I will not have a show next week, which is for anybody listening that's not listening on a Monday, it's the 14th. So this Monday, the 14th, uh, we will not be having a show. Um, I am on vacation with my family. I've been doing this vacation up to the White Mountains in New Hampshire for like, how old am I? I've been doing this for almost 20, maybe 30 years every year. So it's something I'm doing. I'm not missing out on. (laughs) Nick doesn't know how to produce the show, do you? Oh, heck no. What? <laughs> and I'm not, my wife's not letting me bring the computer and the mics on the road. So nope. it's not happening this Definitely week. Definitely not. So we're talking MPO picks or and FPO picks for worlds. So mm-hmm. in the chat, let us know top three. And then if you go way back to the origins of the Nick and Matt show, we don't call it a dark horse here. We call it the wild horse. <laughs> a so wild horse pick. Really, really ahead, quick before we get into that, there actually is a silver series happening June 11th through 13th. I totally forgot about it. It's a brand new event that came about. It's the Resistance Discs oh, Open yes. in Rainer, Oregon. That one is happening. Uh, it's actually TD'd by my really good buddy, Jeff Corns. Um, we've had him on the show before. He's super, super cool guy, heavily involved with Discraft as one of the tour managers, uh, drives around the big Discraft truck and trailer. So he's actually hosting that event. They got that set up, him and Jeff Spring, earlier this year. Um, notable names being at that event will be Calvin Heiberg, Eagle McMahon, James Proctor, Scott Withers, Adam Hammes, Drew Gibson, Nate Sexton, Paul Uliberry, Andrew Marweed, and then going down the list of, you know, anyone lower rated than that. But, um, so definitely some good competition out there. And then, okay. uh, there also is that a tier, the Utah opening happening. That is the week before worlds. And then people will actually be playing the world championships after for anyone that is, has forgotten, like we did the resistance open was added. Like, yes. I forget when it was kind of related to Beaver state being canceled as well as maybe that was it. They were able to plug in resistance. So it wasn't originally on the calendar, but yeah, that's going to be, I guess a good event to watch that you will get live coverage on the last round and good friend of the show, Jeff Corns resistance Mm -hmm. discs owner. Um, So that's awesome. Um, Okay. People are already giving their top three. Um, Let me, let me talk through it a little bit. If you said, Matt, you have 10 seconds to pick the top three for Worlds. All right, Matt, you have 10 seconds okay. to pick the top three for Worlds. Okay. Eagle, Ricky, Paul. I'm not in no no specific order right now at this part of the or, conversation. Put, in, put them in an order. You have five seconds. Paul, Eagle, Ricky. Ooh, I like it. That that was quick, though. I had to do that quick. I think if we talk through it more, I could argue a lot were, of different you were, ways. You were at nine right. seconds, so you Nick, definitely ten you, seconds. You were right on the money. Ten seconds, Nick. Uh-huh. 10 seconds for you. 10 seconds. I got Paul, Ricky, Eagle. No, that's a lie. I got Paul, Ricky, Calvin. Ah, oh, man. So how many rounds is this event? Five. Okay. If you, if it's 
five if you make the cut, which I'm assuming those four guys we just talked about will more than likely make the cut. <laughs> so as I was telling you earlier, best average this year, best average placement this year is Paul McBeth for averaging fourth place. He has, if you count Memorial in there, which used to be a disc golf pro tour, it's still a big event. If you count that in there, yep. he has two wins, right? Yeah. Two yep. wins. Um, Eagle has four wins. Okay. Um, Ricky has three wins. And so Paul has two, but here's the thing you say, well, who has the most wins, but over a five round tournament, you have to believe the average is going to play out to like Paul's advantage with like enough tournaments. His average is going to be higher. Yeah. That's my, that's, that's the main reason I'm picking it. I think he also has the side of how well he has done at the world championships since mm -hmm. 2012. I mean, if you go back to 2011, uh, let's see, give me one second. Well, I'll say this going from 2012 and on Paul's either won world championships or gotten second place at the world championships. So you're talking about what a nine year span or an eight year span, technically, I guess, without one of the years having a world championship. And then let's see, 2011, he got 15th. And so that was when he was only 1033 rated. Then 2012 and on is when he activated McBeast mode throughout the rest of his life. And look at what he's done at the world championships. And those are some of those worlds have seven rounds at them, eight rounds at them. And then I switched over to that five round format. Okay. Wild horse. I still think that's funny because we said that back when Jomez was on the yeah. show. That's way back yeah. now. Who's our who's our wild horse yeah. pick? I'm gonna go with it. Can it be considered if you're in a top 10? Can it be considered wild horse if I say Adam Hammes? A lot of people oh yeah, if yeah, definitely. And yeah. I'm not saying that just because you're saying Adam, I'm saying in the sense of like anyone besides Paul and Ricky and Eagle, and Eagle at and this Calvin. point right now is a wild horse. And, and I say that because Those four. You know, Paul and Ricky are the ones who have been winning all the world championships. You know, granted, Barsby had his 2018 world championship win, but Ricky obviously winning 16 and 17, and then Paul winning all the rest of the years since 2012. So, honestly, anyone's a wild horse pick in a sense, uh, unless you were to say Eagle or Calvin, I guess. Man, but, yeah, like I, like, I like that Adam Hammes. I'm curious because... I don't know if they've made a lot of changes to these two courses. Uh, I know one of them is on a golf course and then the other one is a wooded disc golf course. Um, I'm actually going to watch coverage over the next few days to kind of, you know, maybe get somewhat of an idea of how these courses play. But we have noticed that besides for DDO, Eagle has been dominating the golf course style of disc golf at the moment. <laughs> um, DDO, Paul obviously dominated it. But for the most part, Eagle has been dominating the open-sided disc golf. And, I mean, you can't argue with it. He's doing incredible. He throws a roller probably further than anyone else in the world. And he just has a very, very solid game when it comes to those open courses. But one of the courses is wooded, where we have seen Eagle potentially, not saying Eagle's bad in the woods because he's not. He won Idlewild, which is one of the most wooded courses in the world. But at the same time, he's not consistently winning in those wooded courses tournaments. So I'm curious. I think it's a great year to be a disc golf fan and kind of it's a great year to, you know, who's going to win it. I, I really don't know. I don't know. It's hard to pick. I yeah. literally don't know if I've been more excited for a world championship. 
and I'm not being, that's not hyperbole. Like I'm, I literally think this is the most excited and I use the word literally. <laughs> I think that's actually accurate too. I'm literally as excited or more excited than I've ever been for the world championship because it is not anybody's dominating season. Okay. Eagle exactly. has the most wins, but again, yeah. I'm looking at rankings. I was looking at all the stats today. They're averaging almost dead heat. And honestly, Eagles had a bad event in there. Waco, horrible event. Paul hasn't even had that bad. Paul's worst event was like an 11th or 15th place finish. It was something. Yeah. Ricky's worst was a 15th place finish. Dickerson, mm -hmm. that, I don't want to say that's wild horse, but Dickerson would be, right? He would be. He'd be a wild horse. Dickerson would, yep. Dickerson would absolutely be a wild horse pick. Um, I think there's a lot of players you could really put in contention of, you know, they could potentially do incredible things Damn. at worlds i think it's just hard to actually pick someone outside of the top four players and i'm curious you have the chat going on right now and yeah you, know, you want to know what people are saying i'm curious what people are saying who are those wild horse picks okay like, you know chat, even comments on youtube yeah chat you you heard it up. let me see here so someone said like super wild horse or a super dark horse was that uh, jeremy Colling. people said super it was like maddie O. super you know uh it's funny i was just looking at maddie O's name too um trying to think here i'm looking real quick as i go through james proctor that guy a ninth place finish at portland open james proctor is a great interview yeah. as well um another one said adam hammis um we're gonna talk fpo in just a second so we do have some fpo picks in here um there was another james proctor pick um but interestingly most people are picking paul to win I, you gotta give it to him i mean he I'll say this, okay? He has struggled with his putt all year, and he's been open about saying that. And then he just got the best t um, gain strokes in putting this last event. Mm-hmm. And he now putts he like has, that. He has that week off, and I know he's going to Worlds early. I'm meeting up with him and Hannah at Worlds, and we're going, we're going early. I mean, we're gonna get some time in at that course, and you know. I, I'm very, very excited to see him just really, really, this is his mindset. You know, you kind of, at this point, when we talk about disc golfers and their accolades, we talked about it last week, Matt, everyone talks about world championships. How many world championships does this person have? I mean, Juliana Corver is one of the most winning players in FPO ever, but we mostly talk about her five world championships. Mm, I know. So Worlds I, is I a think big things deal. like that, like, you know, for Juliana Corver, talking about FPO side really quick, she's the only female pro player to ever cash at a an MPO major, yeah. Mixed Pro Open, but in an all male division, she's the only female player to ever cash at an event like yeah. that. And it was actually, I'm pretty sure USDGC, I think she tied for last cash and with Nate Doss, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'd have yeah. to look up what year that was. But they yeah. said people playing that event were like, there's now not a cut line, but there's also a Juliana Corver line. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Okay. Very so cool. before we jump over to that, someone else said Yuli is the wild horse. You want uh, to know who my wild horse pick is? I'll give you my wild horse pick, Matt. Nick Carl. Oh, for God, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that vain. Oh, okay. Simon Lazat. Yeah, I guess he is. He uh, That's he's my wild horse pick. He had one, two. This will be his third event, and it'll be a, a, maybe it'll be his coming out event for world championships. That would change his life a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah. We talked about it. That will be like the accolade forever. Um, yeah, that would solidify <laughs> Simon being the best ever true European player. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, world you can say best that, player. 
you can probably say say that right now, but that would easily solidify him being, you know, obviously one of the best players in the world ever, which we know he is. He's done incredible things, and I consider him that. But winning a world championship just puts you on that next level. All right, before we move to FPO, my last thought on this, I'm, I might just, you know, spill out a little bit more to say that I'm going to change my picks. I think Ricky could outdo Eagle, so it could be Paul Ricky Eagle. And I know you think the top three, of course, they can all shift. But here's my thought process. Eagle, to me, is a more on-fire, off-fire player. Like, he yep. can shoot the best in the world at any given moment. Literally. I get that. But he also I, can have that off-round. Totally well, even, even round three at Portland Open, it was his going to be, it was still going to be a decent round. It, it was a decent round, but it was his off-round where he even said, I didn't think I had a chance. Um. But he can even be more off than that because I think that's Eagle's mindset. Unfortunately, when he starts not performing the best, he gets in his head a little bit. He, the fact that he even said at Portland Open following it, like, I, I, like, I didn't think I was in it. Like, mm-hmm. that is, Eagle, if you happen to listen to this later, I, I'm, I'm a sports talk guy. I'm not ratting on you. I'm just like... You, you can't have that mindset. Like you have to, and I'm not saying I'm better. Like I can't do the same thing. I'm not, what I'm telling you to do as a fan is because I want you to do better. Like you can't have that mindset, right? Mm -hmm. You can't be Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm out of it. As Simon said, you never know what happens. And exactly. So long story short, I think Eagle, man, if he could play all of his rounds hot, the best he possibly can, then he would win. But I don't think that's going to happen over five rounds. That's kind of what I'm saying. I think Paul's going to win it. It's going to either be Ricky or Eagle. Calvin won't be far behind because Calvin's been having off days with his putting. I just don't think he's going to get top three. That's my picks. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, honestly, the way Eagle has been playing this year, he could be a player, though, who could just be absolutely on fire. Yeah. And just murder it. I mean, he does that. He wins for sure. Yeah. Paul, Ricky and Eagle all have the capability of just absolutely walking away with the competition. Ricky did that in 16 and 17. Paul did that in 2015 and 2013 and 2012. Actually, 2014 obviously was the playoff year. 2019, he won by one against Ricky. Um, you know, but those are players that are all capable of just absolutely walking away with a win. So, who who has done it consistently the most in that setting is Paul Macbeth. Who's done it the second most is Ricky Wysocki. and then Eagle hasn't done it yet at a World Championship. So it's it is really hard to play against, you know, bet against those two, especially because they're both having a great year. I mean, Paul's having, I would consider a good year. There's nothing bad about it. He's got a big pro tour or a national tour win. And then he's got second place finishes. He's got, you know, top fives galore. Ricky has a few wins, but who knows? I mean, anyone can win on any given weekend. If you looked at, you know, if you looked at ratings and if you looked at all these different things of like how many tournaments has this person won, I would have gone to this last weekend tournament that I just played and saw that there was a guy that was 1023 rated there. And I would be like, okay, I have no shot of winning now. Mm-hmm. Or the guy who beat me two weeks prior. They were both at that event. And I just went into that event knowing I can keep up with these guys. I can play against them. And you go with the mindset, you're going to win that event. All these top players in the world have that mindset of they can go and win that event. It's just actually putting together the rounds to actually do it. And I think Paul, under all circumstances and pressure, he's the best one to be able to do it. Yeah, someone in the chat said, no love for Calvin, more or less question mark. And here's the funny thing. I made that stupid hot pick 
earlier in the season. He went out the next event and won the Silver Series. Um, I should have been more specific about that, but I can't recant my my hot take. But like Elite Series. You can never count out Calvin. You can't. But I guess what I'm going to say is like, this would be his time, right? I, I would pick Calvin. I don't know. I think it is too crazy to say he's a dark horse. But he, he's, he's someone he's, he's someone who yeah. could win. He's someone who could win. We're just not exactly. picking him to win. Um, I would put him in contention to win more than, you know, 98% of the field. Kevin Jones, Kyle Klein, James Conrad. These are all players in the conversation or should be. I, I, again, I'm not picking them, but that's, that's potential. Okay, yeah. moving over to FPO. You ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to start with you this time. <laughs> you get 10, 10 seconds. seconds on my one, Go, two, three. FPO. All right, uh, Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, Haley King. Okay, that's that's a lie. Uh, I want to put Kristen Tatar in that mix. I want to go Paige Pierce, Kristen Tatar, Haley King. That was uh, pretty good because you knew I was going to swoop in and do K- Tatar in there. I was going to do Paige, Kristen, and yeah. uh, Katrina. That's my picks. Um, well, good. It's good to be different. It's a little different. We have our first and second yeah. the same. Um, yeah. Speaking of Kristen Tatar. Um, and silver, silver lot, mm-hmm. they will be at Worlds, as far as we know. I mean, I think it's all working out. They're in some type of quarantine and different countries. I think they're in Croatia at the moment. Okay. So, so just a little a shout-out really quick to Kristen Tatar. She's played four events this year, all C-tiers, and she's won all four of them. And just kind of looking at it, uh, let's see. This was a two-round event. She played another three-round event, so she's playing well. She's a dominant player. I'm very, very excited, actually. I was on my card yesterday at my tournament. We were heavily talking about the FPO side of the World Championships this year because Matt, you and I have talked about it a ton. The parity in FPO this year has been absolutely wild, and now you're adding in another dominant figure in our sport. I would have loved it if somehow Evelina and Henna could have came over and played. I'm not sure if they are. It doesn't look like it, uh, which is really unfortunate. No. Obviously, you want to see those two. They're also dominant players out across the pond. Um, Here, real quick, part, real I'm, quick to the chat. Yeah. Give us your uh, wild horse women, <laughs> WHWs, uh, as you continue where you, on. Where are you going? <clears throat> um... It's not wild horse to say Haley. Uh, I see people commenting Madison Walker, Ella Hansen. Um, Kona Panis is my wild horse. Oh, son of a gun. I was going to say that. I'll go someone different. No, I'll go someone different then. I like parody. Uh, let's see. I got to think of the courses. She, but see, here's the thing for me to, I don't want to say clarify my pick for that to happen, for her to be the wild horse, her putting somehow needs to be confident because if she's on with her putting, I would say almost even average, maybe a little above field average, a little above field average, then she has a chance. So um, my dark horse pick is probably one of, I don't know why, but one of my favorite players to talk about, but Juliana Corver is my wild horse pick. Do you realize what you just said would happen if she won, she would be the first FPO or yeah. First FPO to get six world championships before Paige was trying to do that and you know what else is on the line and you got to think that this has to be a little bit in Paige's mind she's having a documentary filmed and the video's conclusion ends at Worlds oh oh I didn't know that what happens if she loses I like it (laughs) oh man yeah 
Dude, love it. I love these kind of things in disc golf. Just thinking about it, it's like, ooh, all right. Now I'm really, really excited. But the pressure is uh, real. There's a yeah. There's a ton of there's a ton of people who could honestly come out. I mean, look at the Manjohano sisters. I was just about they, to say Manjohano. You know, both qualified for their events. Yep. Uh, they qualified for the throw pink events at the last two uh, elite series events that's happened right now. So you got to put them into contention. Obviously. Uh, Kristen Haley, Katrina, Sarah Holcomb. I mean, she's right up in there, a mix of players True. that are playing at this event. I True. mean, there are so many players who it could be their weekend. So and, your uh, final pick, your final pick, wild horse though. You can go. Oh, ahead. Juliana. Okay, Corver. Juliana. Yeah. But as you said, the other notables, I mean, it would, I don't want to say crazy because I don't want to hurt their feelings, but it would be crazy if someone like Madison Walker won or, um, <sighs> Even I don't want to say crazy for Juliana, but kind of crazy or Amanda Hano. Like we'd all go, wow, like it was in them, but it is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Weiss, she's been performing pretty good lately. Where mm-hmm. she, you feel like if things went her way, she could pull it off. But I feel like that's weights. Again, I don't want to hurt feelings, but that's not what we're here to do. But we are sports talk. I think it would be crazy to say Jessica Weiss would win this. So. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going, it's not as crazy to say a good year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I still feel she like is. it's too far of a reach. I still stick with Kona Panis as my wild horse. Again, Paige, uh, Kristen and Katrina Allen. So, mm-hmm. all right, cool. That's worlds. Um, again, we will not be having a show next week. Um, so I don't want to say we we're going to try to pre-record, but honestly, I'm taking off a little bit early this coming week to really get a vacation. in. we will yeah. Nick, are we going to have a show while you're out at Worlds? Is that a possibility? I'm going to bring my laptop, and so I'll make sure that I, I got a pair of headphones that I'll be taking with me. I'll make sure that, you know, my camera and microphone might sound crappy, but if we want to try to have a show, I'm totally down for it. Um, what I if? mean, obviously, it all depends on how I feel, but... Yeah. What if everyone Nick? seemed to like everyone seemed to like Josh, your brother. So <laughs> if maybe if he has to come in and, you know, take my spot again, then yeah. by all means... Every time, Nick, it's just another notch on his belt and we get knocked down a rung. You know, he's so good. All right. So here's the thing. I hear you. Utah from East Coast. We start at 7 p.m. Eastern. Utah is probably two hours behind. I don't know if they're in the three hour range, but. I have no idea. That's not. Maybe. <laughs> you don't even, Maybe. That's not that late two at hours. night for us to do a show. Number one. And number two, Nick, if you strategically find yourself at a place where the pros are hanging out, you can just use your phone on Skype. And literally just walk around roving interviews, like one-minute interviews. That'd be pretty funny. I'll make sure I have my shirt on and I have, like, media credentials. And I'll just go walk around and be like, hey, I'm Nick with the Nick and Matt show. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Nick and Matt, we love Nick and Matt. Like, that's what's going to happen. So that's all we hear. I'm kidding. (laughs) Exactly. um, But so, anyways, that was enough talk about, like, are we doing a show or not? But then following, you will be back following Worlds. We can really unpack it. Um, Hopefully... We'll be able to get the world champions on our show. I can't promise anything, but that's our hope. And, um, all right. And then she do, do, do. Oh, you watch. I saw PGA news and I thought to myself, what if this happened in disc golf world? Did you hear anything about John Rom? So I only read his, he made a post on Twitter that I saw people sharing and commenting on. Um, from what I gathered from the comments is that, He's not vaccinated and he came into close contact with someone with COVID. And then the PGA asked him to withdraw from an event. 
and I could completely be totally wrong about what I just said. <laughs> I'll tell you. Honestly, I have not looked into the story. Well, so you're pretty please. good at speculating. So you're you were right with the details, but the difference is he tested positive for COVID following the information you said. So yes, close contact, not vaccinated. Uh, uh, they tested him round one, nothing. Round two, nothing. Round three, ooh, there's something here. So then they did a retest, like before the end of round three, he was like chipping up or whatever on the 18th hole and they found out, yes, he tested positive. Yeah. They pretty much after he walks off the course goes, Hey, by the way, uh, John, like you tested positive for COVID. Like you have to withdraw from the event and you have a six stroke lead going into the final round. Yeah. I heard he murdered it, which was really sad. That uh, this is someone, not political. Someone, this is not political. Someone, it's unfortunate. Yeah, someone made, Someone made a funny post and saying, didn't he social distance himself enough with that final round? <laughs> six feet, and six so strokes. I, yeah, exactly. Guess so. what? Here's what I'm going to say. Does this translate to disc golf at all? No, because of the dollar amount. You know how much money he's going to lose? If he would have won, he would have taken $1.6 million. Thank you very much, COVID. COVID-19, everybody. <laughs> like, holy yeah. cow. So in the disc golf world, imagine at the world championships. Knock on wood. Actually, don't knock on wood. I'm not going to even say any names, but somebody has a six-stroke lead going into the final round, and then they're like, you tested positive. Like, you came down sick, and we had to test you, and now you can't compete. Can you imagine the storylines that come out of that? Another asterisk world. Oh, my God, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. That would be, like, yeah. like, and let's just say Paul. I don't Paul, even want to think about it. Let's say Paul wasn't in the lead, and someone else was, and then yeah. Paul wins it because someone else had COVID, or Paul was in the lead, and then he gets COVID, and they knock him out, and then someone else wins. Like, uh, the, obviously, I'm just saying, comparative to PGA, they stuck with the rules, and I give them credit for that because they said this is what we've been doing all year. But it's just a crazy scenario. Let's hope COVID yeah. is on its way out fully. All right. Agreed. And then finally, injuries, Nick. Do we have any injuries going into Worlds where that could be questionable? Yes. Drew Gibson. Are we talking about, obviously, just this golfer's name who yeah, might who have are going to play at like Worlds, me? probably, or hopefully are going to play at Worlds? Yeah. Um, AB. AB, yep. Uh, do we know if he's playing? I mean, his hand, hopefully, is going to be healed up by then. That, I do not. He I hit a tree. To him in a little while. He hit a tree. Is that what happened? He followed through and hit a tree, and I guess gotcha. it hurt enough where he didn't play Santa Cruz. That makes sense. Uh, Brody with his knee. Yep. Yuli, apparently volleyball or something. Mm -hmm. I think his ribs, maybe? Something along Drew those Gibson. lines. Uh, Drew Gibson posted about a foot, ankle, or fibio. I mean, that could be a completely different bone. I really have no idea. Um <laughs> Eagle, Eagle, let's see. let's see. Eagle talked about, and I don't remember if it was Simon in the presser. So the press conference before Portland Open, Simon mentioned something about, yeah, me and Eagle talk a lot. You know, we're friends, this and that. And then he said something like, and Eagle's kind of been dealing with his own elbow thing. And I thought okay. to myself, huh, like, has Eagle said much about that? He's talked maybe a little bit about like body ailments, but not really. So, I mean, I'm speculating there, but he just yeah. won Portland yeah. Open. I mean, he had a back. He, you know, was struggling with his back earlier this year. So, unless that's magically gone away, which I can't imagine it has. I mean, back back problems suck. Um, Kyle Klein had that tweaked muscle earlier this year. Well, that's I mean, right. He took out an event. Gannon Burr yeah. with his knee issue or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, yep. That kid. Imagine that wild horse. Like I, I'd say, wild horse for him to get top top ten for like someone yep. like Gannon Burr who came out really hot at Waco and then. I'm putting Simon in that list. 
he's supposedly not injured. He's still in rehab, if you will. So he's kind of holding back. But Simon would be in that list, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Nick, one last thing. PDGA, hiring an events coordinator. This kind of came shortly after U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championship. Do you remember the commotion that Paige and other FPO... Kind of, and I say commotion, it has a very negative connotation to it. I just mean it in the general sense. A lot of media stir. Um, do you think this is in relation to that at all? A, a, an events coordinator, someone for people to reach out to and facilitate at events. I think part of it has to reach out to that because on that Joma's front nine, front nine coverage of the first round, I think Jeff Spring, you know, when he talks about his title, he says, hi, I'm Jeff Spring, I'm the CEO and I think he says the tour director or the tour manager of the Disc Golf Pro Tour, obviously. And when someone has an issue at a Pro Tour event, Jeff is always right on it and does whatever he can to just make it make it right, whatever that is. He tries to find a way to make it right. And I think because he's going to every single event, his team is going out to every single event, it makes it, I would say, easier for him to be able to do that. The PDGA definitely needs someone who is vetting these courses uh depending on what courses they are playing for a big tournament uh they need someone to create amazing events for the fpo players and they also need someone who fpo players can talk to and know that if you tell this person guy or girl that the situation is going to get resolved somehow so yeah i think definitely from the kind of i'm trying to think of the word the kind of not attack that the PDGA got recently, but the kind of, you know, media that the uh, PDGA got recently, that they do need to hire someone to fulfill that position of going out and they need to be taken care of better. That's first and foremost. Yeah, I think it's me speculating that it was a result of us women's disc golf championship. But after all of that, and then you see shortly after, and this is mid season, like maybe it was planned out there originally, but like mid season and it gets brought up, mm -hmm. Hey, we're hiring, uh, we're hiring an events, you know, coordinator. And here's the, the details. Like they're going to be at venues helping facilitate between, you know, the event staff and, and the players yeah. and everybody like it's, whether or not it's in response to it, honestly, it's a good thing if it's in response to it. It means they're listening and they said, we're going to make a change. Like, I don't want to spin yeah. it as a negative, like, oh, now they're backtracking. I just mean it generally, if that's part of it, then good. And I think it will better the whole PDGA um, NTs for sure. Um, and then mm -hmm. Nick, before we close out, someone said, uh, it, maybe they're just jumping in a little late here, but they're, they're wild horse pick for FPL. You ready? And this is actually pretty good. I'd, I wouldn't pick her, but not that she couldn't. Here we go. Missy Gannon. Mm -hmm. Like I was thinking about Missy Gannon. So, so anyways, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I jumped out of place there. I think we really talked about pretty much everything. Yeah. It's a wrap up our show, guys. Would you comment and let us know what state you're from? Interested in where our viewers and listeners are from. If you're driving around in your car, obviously there's only so many ways to let us know. You could send us a message on Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. You could give us a review on iTunes or Spotify and say, Hey, I'm from this state. We're interested in where you're from. Uh, we know we have players from Europe, uh, Australia, our players, listeners all over the world. Yeah. Just curious how many States were listening to this podcast episode. Nick, 
You ready to close us out? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, everyone, we really appreciate you tuning in and listening. Um, it, you know, is greatly appreciated by Matt and I. If you want to help support the show, go on foundationdisc.com. We do have hats and shirts for sale. The hats come in black, white, and navy blue. The shirts are black with our characters on them. I'm actually wearing it right here. Can't really see it. But um, Nick, who do you have? Who do you have winning um, basketball NBA finals? Uh, it's funny. I just posted that, and I'm looking at everyone's. The saying, chat's going um, crazy. The chat's yeah, going crazy my, right now. My favorite team's out, so I'm pretty pissed about that. Uh, it's really hard to bet against the Nets right now because they look really good, but James Harden's out with a little injury going on. I really wanted the Mavericks to make a push at things, but now they're out. So who is the Clippers? Suns. I think the Suns winning would be pretty insane. The Clippers winning would be pretty insane. Uh, but I also would love an East Coast team to win. I just really hate Kevin Durant. I just really don't like him at all. So I don't <laughs> want the Nets to win. So uh, and I hate the 76ers. All so right. I really don't want them to win. And I'm all not. Right. I'm not I'm really go, into basketball. I'm gonna go with the Suns. I really right. want the Suns to win. He's picking the Suns. And then shout out to our live guests who are, are yeah. chatting where they're uh, listening from right now. Nick, Alaska, but all the way to Stockholm, Sweden right now. Everywhere from Texas and Washington and Virginia and Canada and everywhere in between. Uh, we're interested out, to Colorado. see. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. Would you just keep commenting later on post? We'd like to just get an idea. Maybe we'll make a map yeah. um, and see where we have people outstanding. Maybe North Dakota. We'll have to do it. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Close it out, Nick. Anyways, go on foundationdisc.com, buy a hat, buy a shirt. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, it helps us out a ton. Um, thank you again for listening. Go ahead, comment, like, subscribe to our YouTube channel under the Foundation Podcast Network. We're also on all of the podcast platforms. You can find us there under the same thing. And uh, tell someone you love them this week. Good luck to everyone competing in the next weekend. We'll catch you in the next one. That's right. Nick, you're awesome. The Shit. Nick and Matt Show. A disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.